Be inspired to love life, to achieve extraordinary feats, and to change the world around you for the better. Welcome to Love Your Life, Tell Your Story by Kathleen Marriott. Well, welcome back to Love Your Life, Tell Your Story. And we have Kara Shorts from, where are you from again? So I'm living in Reston, Virginia, which is 20 miles west outside our nation's capital of Washington, D.C. Well, welcome back. It's great to have you again. And this is your third story. So if our listeners haven't heard your first and second, I would ask them to go and do that before they listen to today's to get to know you a little bit because you're very interesting and you've already told us your first and second story. So get to know you first, but let's move on to your third story. And this one's called Consistency Builds Proficiency, which is a great title because it's a great story. So let's get on to it. So tell us what is it about today, Kara? So this is going to be a story about a, a, a challenge or a struggle that I recently had um, in mountain biking, which through kind of the consistency and just knowing how to create a plan to make a breakthrough when I when I face challenges in mountain biking. Well, that's great. So that's um, the most interesting thing about you because last time you told us stories about finding your soul and that you are a medical practitioner in family practice and that you also came into family practice because of your sister and that was a beautiful story and you also told about what was your other story you have to remember it was a story about kind of asserting myself independently in, in other fields where i would do adventures without my husband so that i could be in the lead and that there was the one adventure where my girlfriend and I got lost. Oh, how could I forget? Of course. Thanks for reminding us because that story was so amazing. And I thought about that quite a bit after our recordings because I just know that I don't have true grit. <laughs> That's why I do this because I'm so want to be inspired. I have resilience, a lot of resilience, but absolutely no true grit. <laughs> And I was thinking about that story about being in the wilderness and being lost and how you lent on your faith and your hope and you lent on your friend and that you are an absolute athlete. And that athletic resilience and athletic grit got you through to, I know I would have stayed, you know, we have bush here, but you have forest. And I would have stayed in the bush and stayed put and been extraordinarily uncomfortable. You couldn't. You said you couldn't even put your foot down in some place, let alone put your tent up and found, you know, got your food to be. Uh, you said you had to put water with your food. I just know that I would have starved and waited to be rescued, um, which would have been extraordinarily uncomfortable. But not you, Kara. You put your grit into into practice and you pushed forward and you found your way to water and to a clearing to spend that night in got your goals that you wanted. So I implore everybody to go and listen to that podcast to understand that you took resilience to the next level to get that grit. So now, can you tell us about your journey to becoming a proficient um, athlete now? Sure. So I guess this is one example. I mean, uh, this is kind of an example of consistency building skills. Um, there's a lot of different aspects of bike racing. You know, some of it is long rides, interval rides, 
strength training, you know, the mental aspect. But today I'm going to talk about a recent breakthrough in building skill that was needed. Okay, go ahead. Sure. So I participated in what's called a mountain bike stage race the third week of May. And I did this for the first time last year and I did the option which was a three-day stage race so you you race your mountain bike every day for three days in a row um you stay at a a central campground where the the start and finish is every day Uh, and the races are about three to five hours each day and I just enjoyed it so much uh just the entire the community that stayed at the campground and the trails for riding. And it was truly like being at summer camp and I I enjoyed it so much. So I decided that this year is going to do the five day um, event, which is um, right. So it's similar um, thing. Oh yeah. It's still three to five hours of racing a day, but this is going to be five days in a row. And, and I, I kind of knew from doing the three day that it was within my wheelhouse that, you know, I, w- I would be able to do it. Um, so this race is in a area of um, our country where the trails are quite rocky and um, it's mountainous. And it's, it's not a place where I typically ride, uh, but I had done two bike races in this area Oh, like nine and 10 years ago, I had done um, what's called the Wilderness 101 or a, a mountain bike race that's 101 miles, which takes all day long. But after that one really long day, you're you're done. So I was a little bit familiar with these trails, but I hadn't ridden there in almost a decade, probably about nine years. So um, some of my teammates were also going to come um, and race. They were going to do the three out, the three day version because they had not done it before. But we had this great contingency of female riders from our club. There was five of us, and then my husband Peter, who you've met, um, was also coming. So he was the lone man from our team, and we had um, five females. So the females only. We went about the second week of April. We went. Um, to do some practice training on these trails since we weren't familiar with them. And so we did a long weekend where we camped and, you know, we did the trails, but not at a racing pace like we would be doing in the stage race. You know, we kind of take it at a leisurely pace. We stop to eat. We look at the map. You know, we rest if we need to. Um, And it was a truly rewarding weekend just to be with these ladies. So... On the second day of riding for practice, um, we came upon a trail which is named No Name. So the name of this trail is No Name. And um, when I got to this trail, it became a little bit familiar. And in fact, this trail was part of the race that I had done nine or 10 years ago, the, the 101 mile race. And at that time, you know, 10 years ago, I, I didn't have the amount of skill I have now, and I was not able to ride this trail at all. This section of trail is about a mile long. Um, it's about a width of a balance beam, perhaps four inches. Um, and the edge of the trail on the left is a sheer 
a sheer drop off. And to the right, you know, is the mountain going up. So if you fall into the mountain on the right, you're okay. But if you fall to the left, you're going to fall far and, and you're going to get hurt. It's quite, it's straight. So you don't have to corner, but there's constant obstacles, you know, mostly rocks, um, rocks the size of about baseballs. And I was not able to complete any of this trail 10 years ago. And so I walked the whole thing and I came upon it this time, not realizing that this was, this trail was going to be part of the race I'd be doing this May. And it was very disappointing to me that after 10 years of skill building, here I am, I was in the exact same situation. I was off my bike walking. And not only was I just disappointed in that, I was anxious. I um, I felt tension. I felt frustration. I felt disappointment. I could not get back on my bike. So when I get back on my bike, I, I, I can lower the seat and I typically remount from the left, which was the side that dropped off. And there's, there's no edge. It's trail to, to pure drop off. The biggest challenge was mental. Like it wasn't physical, like you had to climb or you had to go fast. It was actually downhill. <laughs> you know, you would coast the entire thing. Obstacles themselves are not the challenge at all. But what's the challenge is that the obstacles are just going to bounce you around and just one bad bounce. Yeah, and you're not, it's not going to be, if you're keep your speed under control, it's not going to be a life ending accident, but you know, it's, it's going to result in an injury of some sort. And so my four girlfriends who I was riding with were all in front of me, all out of sight because they had all ridden. And I walked down this trail for a mile. And so, you know, they probably, you're going to do it under a lot of control. So they probably got down the trail in about 10 minutes and it took me a half hour. And I was just so tense and so frustrated and so disappointed. I could never get back on the bike. I would try to get on my bike. And because the way I mount is from the left side, I couldn't get even with putting my seat down, I couldn't quite get my leg over the seat to even get going. And I think once I was able to straddle, but I'm right leg dominant. So when I get started pedaling, my right foot is in the pedal. Like you have this moment when you start, you know, you're, you're not moving. And so you're balancing at a standstill for a brief moment in time. And when I do that on my dominant leg, on my right leg, it's not, it's kind of like, you know, standing on the leg, you're much better standing on your dominant leg versus your non-dominant leg. And then I just couldn't have the competence to get going because I would have to have my left foot in the pedal to get going because you couldn't do the other way. Cause you can't have your, your, when you get going on the pedal, the pedal get going on your is high. Yeah. And so I couldn't, have my other leg low going off the cliff, I'd have to go the opposite way, which is not the way my body's used to going. I was not able to ever continue riding. And when I rejoined my friends, I I, cry, I just broke down and cried. And I, I was so disappointed that I felt like in 10 years, 
you know, what have I done that I couldn't do this trail? And here they were able to complete it. And I just, I never thought I was going to get hurt because I was walking. Yes. <laughs> so it wasn't like a panic, but it, it was like, I wasn't capable. I knew that this was going to be part of the race that I was doing and that I needed to make a, a plan. The race was going to be in six weeks. Um, and so I needed to, to formulate a, a plan that after 10 years, nothing had changed. So I did several things. First thing I did is when we got back to camp, I debriefed with my friends a little bit, just trying to figure out like how they were successful and, you know, what was different with me. They were all scared as well. So um, they, they had fear. They had fear, but, you know, they hadn't been there before. So I had been on this trail in fear 10 years previously without skill. So you they had, had never been you had, you had learned field. fear. You'd already I had, had yes, I had learned on this trail fear. you're fearful. Yeah. And like I said, they had fear, but they could overcome their fear because you know their skill level is similar to mine. Yeah. We all have, you know, different strengths and weaknesses, but overall similar. Where they were, they were able to do it. And and I was kind of trapped back in the rider I was 10 years ago. So you so had a I, memory of fear, Kara. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So when I got back, I'm like, I'm going to conquer that trail. Yeah. First of all, I didn't want to be in the race. There's no ways that anyone could pass me. And if I'm walking it and someone's riding behind me, it's going to make them have to walk for a half hour. So there's kind of that peer pressure that I need to not hold anyone else up. Yeah. And I, I definitely wanted to succeed. So the first thing I did was I contacted a woman who gives private mountain bike lessons and I scheduled a lesson with her soon afterwards and we worked a lot on my body position and then what I did is I looked up some YouTube videos on like remounting the bike on these kind of situations and I was trying to, you know, swing my leg over the side and it never occurred to me to approach the bike from the back uh -huh. and so to lower yeah. the trail, rattle the rear wheel and to then get over the seat that way instead of having to lift my, you know, my high side leg over. So that was helpful, the internet resource. And then I went to my local trails and I just tried to, I don't live in a mountainous area, but I just tried to find any trail I could where it would be an incline on my right and a, a drop off on the left. And I practiced remounting on the other side that I wasn't used to. So I practiced instead of getting going on the pedal on the right foot, I started, okay, my right foot is going to be up the mountain. I'm going to get going on the left foot. And so I practiced that every Thursday after work for a couple of weeks. And then I went through a mantra that I practiced. So every time I, I probably ride my mountain bike about four times a week, I would just say to myself, focus and relax that I needed to focus on the trail and not look down. I couldn't look down off the exposure. I needed to just look ahead. And then once I feel that tense and that fear, I need to just relax my body, just feel like, especially the upper body, like your upper body should not be tense. 
Yeah. And just, okay. So I just kept saying over to myself and, and that wouldn't let any negative thoughts come in because I just kept my mind occupied with those two words, focus, relax. What a great focus, mantra. Relax. Yeah. The importance of a mantra is so yeah, powerful. Oh, so important. So yeah. important. As a matter of fact, I, whenever I make a mistake mountain biking, it's when a, a creepy thought comes in, you know, yeah. and distracts me or puts me in a negative spot. So I had this plan and, and we're at the, the race site and it's, um, it's the second day and the, this part of trail is going to be on the third day, no name trail. And I'm in a, a dinner circle, you know, they had this, this lovely cafeteria food, but it was just the most spectacular weather for this week. And so um, several of the people who I had kind of known from my region uh, were eating outside. I was eating with them. And and one of the guys in the circle is a, a pro pro rider. And we were talking about the trails and I just volunteered. Um, I think he mentioned no name. I said, oh, I really, I really don't like that trail. And he's like, really, why? And I said, it, it's just the exposure, like the drop off. And he's like, oh, he's like, this is what you have to do, he said. He said, when you're going over an obstacle, just micro steer, just micro steer into the mountain. And that was another piece that I had. And I'm like, oh, I haven't practiced that, you know, like here, yeah. like, you know, part of my consistency and my is like, you know, I, I have to make a plan and and I, and I had all my things, but this, this seemed like a valuable piece of information. This, this seemed like it could really work. And so it came, you know, race day and, and I was uh, racing up this. So the trail is, it's, it's about two thirds into about, uh, I think this day took four hours and 40 minutes. So it's maybe about like hour three, three fifteen. And so I had been racing pretty hard, but then for the, Oh, 20 minutes before this trail. Cause again, I was there with my girlfriend. So I know when it's coming up, I just kind of mentally said, you know, back down the effort a little bit. You need to be fresh. You need to have all your energy. I, I emptied my bladder. I had a snack. I just wanted to not have any distractions. And, and I couldn't even remember, you know, when I was there with my girlfriends, why did I have been, get off my bike in the first place. And I kept asking them, why did I get off? Why did I get off? Was there a, what was the obstacle that made me get off? There was no physical obstacle. There was yeah. nothing like, oh, there's a big tree down and you have to get off your bike and you have to walk. And then how are you going to, there was, it was only a mental obstacle and it all worked. The whole plan I put together worked. And wow. I made so it down awesome. that trail. I just kept saying, focus and relax and micro steering up. Focus, and just, relax. The I plan. Just, and then I, I cry at the end of the day, I crossed the finish line a, a little bit before one of my friends, you know, had, who had done it successfully. Yay, Kara. She came, she saw me. And as soon as she went across the line, she looked at me and she's like, did you do it? <laughs> and I said, I did it. I oh, feel like clapping. But yeah, exactly. But I didn't just show up and do it. Like mm -hmm. I just had to 
plan out and strategize how yeah. I was going to do that. Yeah. So the confidence came in the doing because you you sense you desensitized by those Thursday afternoons and this taking advice as well. So you listen to others and you 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 your mantra and those little tricks that other people who had had overcome these fears and you didn't buy into yourself you know you didn't you didn't listen to yourself you listened to others and that those fear thoughts you pushed away I almost I want to cheer you on and I almost want to jump up and down and say yay go for it have you got a story to tell We'd love to hear it. Connect with Love Your Life, Tell Your Story now on Facebook and Instagram. So before we wrap up, because our time is coming to an end, I, I almost want to say, can you just share with us, like that's such a glory story and I just see how and why you love your life, Cara. Um, can you share with us um, in the last few minutes any future goals that you have that you will be conquering next so right right now so the the mountain biking season is is mostly spring early summer um and so right now i'm mostly doing a local race series on wednesdays which is a short short race so instead of three to five hours this is a race that takes about one hour and i used to race as a a master's racer and then I actually last year decided to challenge myself and race in Cat One Open which is the most skilled women no age limit right so in a master's um, you had in this particular race you have to be at least 35. And I did notice on your Facebook page that you were on a podium this weekend who are you racing against what age Bracket. That was also that was a master's forty five plus. So I would say forty five plus is more typical. So I'll come back to the masters, but just to complete on um, what I'm doing this summer is because I'm in this higher category now. It it is more difficult for me to compete with these highly skilled women who are mostly younger than myself. So I'm really competing with them against myself. So last year, the fastest I was able to complete this race in was one hour and four minutes. And so my goal for this year, it's a, it's a four race series. My goal for this year is to do it in under 104. Ideally, I'd like to do it in under an hour, but at least to beat my time from last year. And so our first race was two weeks ago and I did it in 107. And I fell over twice. So since then, I've gone back there twice and I've practiced the areas where I fell. And again, I'm kind of trying to strategize how can I be faster than I was last year. Um, So that that's my pretty much my mountain biking goal um, that's left for this summer. But masters um, races can be. Well, I don't any the the mountain bike races tend to either be women who are 35 or over, 45 and over or 50 and over. Okay. Which is actually a problem cuz at, at the race that I was the the stage race I was telling you about the 5-day stage race, the masters race was 
40 and over and my bike rate because my birthday is in August my bike racing age is 56 so I'm racing you know with women who are 39 and then some of the women that I race with are 60 yeah and having a 60 year old race with a 40 year old is not quite fair competition so we need you know more women involved so we can have a large enough field so that we can have more appropriate um, master's age groups. It, it sounds to me, however, even though you are racing against other women in different age categories, that the person that you race against the most is yourself. I would agree because I, <laughs> I have a lot more. I don't have control over what they're going to do, no. how fit they are, how fit they are. Um, I mostly, yeah. Um, I would say I, I mostly race against myself in the wide view, but then if it's in the moment and yeah. there's someone near me that I can compete with, then I will. But that's not always practical. Oh. Um, so I kind of pick and choose when I'm going to, in my mind, compete against other people. But I've always got myself. Yeah. So so by going back and challenging yourself because you, you know, and I don't like to use the word fail, but in this context, it's a, such a fabulous word because you got off your bike and you didn't achieve your outcome because you, you saw that fear on that cliffside. And so you came back and you strategized, you planned, you used your mantra, you listened to people who didn't have the fear, why didn't they have the fear, and you found a way to conquer the fear yourself. Well, you weren't racing against anybody else except yourself. And that's where true grit comes in, because true grit is about how do you conquer your own fear? How do you get past your own fear? And that's where I see you, Kara Schiltz, as somebody who epitomizes um, true grit. So thank you so much again for sharing your story, story number three. I can't wait to hear story number four next week because it's such a pleasure to have you on our podcast. Thank you again. This is only part of our story. To hear the rest, leap forward to the next podcast and give us five stars wherever you listen. Love Your Life, Tell Your Story by Kathleen Marriott.